the end of your day, correct? Yeah, it's 8, 8 p.m. Wow. Yeah, I just finished the, a coaching session. I've done probably like seven hours of coaching today. Holy shit. Yeah. So I'm tired, but I'm feeling good. I love this shit. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't stop yourself, can you? Like when you get <laughs> when you know that when you know that you're a coach, like tiredness yeah. doesn't even come into the equation. Like you just have the juice for it. Well, not when I'm doing it, but beforehand. Yes. Beforehand, I like when I'm planning my weeks and stuff, I can be a little bit nervous of overstacking it just because I, I have gone through adrenal fatigue and burnout. But um, good fun. It wasn't. Yeah, definitely not. And no, and it wasn't, wasn't. And it was because, but afterwards, yeah, I was working a lot, but it was also the place in which I was working from and the things that I was doing that was burning me out as well. Mm. Like it wasn't as aligned with what my actual fucking soul and heart wanted me to do which i do that now it's like i'm uncompromising on that so i don't feel like i could burn out doing what i loved no now i was uh so for anyone who's listening i found ryan via jeremy Takodi, who's episode 12 so a couple episodes back and i i've got to tell you ryan i saw your face and i'm like i know this dude but i don't know where i know this dude from there you go and I was like, I'm just like, tick, 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 ah, Winnie. And then you mentioned winning. Yes. And I was like, oh, so I've seen his face everywhere. So when you were kicking that off and advertising heavily on Facebook, I was in the fitness industry and I owned a gym. Mm. And you fell into the pile for me of all these dudes that were just marketing heavy. So I couldn't connect with your message then because mm. it just went into my own mental spam filter. Mm which is really interesting when you think about it. Like I didn't give any time to any of these people who might've been helpful in some way. It's or it's just the case that it wasn't the right time for me. Right. Like, you know how it's, there's that idea of when the student's ready, the master appears, that kind of idea. Yeah. Well, yeah and there that. wasn't a, there wasn't, there wasn't a huge, my message back then was very direct in terms yes. of getting people results. So people that really wanted quick results were drawn to that. But the mm -hmm. people that had kind of been around a bit more and had a little bit more depth behind them, a lot of them kind of overlooked the message because there wasn't a huge amount of substance behind them, the marketing messages. It was more, mm. come in, I'll get you clients, I'll get you money, I'll grow your business. And yes. then behind the scenes, we did some deeper stuff, but the marketing was pretty, it was good quality marketing, but it was a bit spammy. It got and, my um, attention. I'll tell you right now, like I saw it. Yeah. And then what I wanted to get to was this, now that I have reconnected with you, even though we weren't connected back then. And I, I mean, mm. I, I, was, I saw your message, but when I saw that Jeremy was talking to you, I'm like, well, this dude's got to be legit. Cause he doesn't waste, you know, Jeremy doesn't waste time. All right. Mm. He's not getting, he's not going to get some dickhead on and have a chat to him. Cause he doesn't have time for that. I know that Jeremy doesn't have time for that. And then when I heard you speak, I'm like, ah, what I feel like from you now is you've connected with your heart. Hmm. That's, that's what I got from you from that like one hour chat that you had with Jeremy that you're like, you're in your heart space now. You're not in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really take that on as a massive compliment. It's like my whole yeah, message well, it, as well now. I mean, it like, as a compliment. Yeah. But my whole message is the core method and core means heart. It's the Latin root word of courage. Yep. And so my whole like systems are at the heart. So I'm glad that that's what was felt and received because that's where my ticket to fulfillment. And that's what really lights me up. I know that yeah. I feel most fulfilled when I'm connected to that place and then discerning what that looks like when I am connected to that place 
it's got a huge suite of op- opportunities and my, my heart will put me in to do sometimes it's more my heart means just taking time for myself sometimes my heart leads me to take some big business action but it's always leading me to the greatest experience of freedom and fulfillment that's for sure so yeah, yeah so I it, love, love that. it's it, it strikes me that you've been on a pretty deep journey over the last few years Definitely. is that is that when you stepped into ryan magic is that when that sort of that you, you got connected it to is. that yeah it is right. and it was and that that brand switch because my actual name is ryan mug josh and that's like a polish name or magic a beautiful polish name say it. yeah it is beautiful and and i switched my brand online as like a symbolic uh yeah like a metaphor of transformation of i'm stepping into this new version of me this new part of me mm. so it was more of a personal choice there were other things as well it's easier to to and more memorable ryan magic easy to say blah 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 it's but great. it was more about the symbolism behind that transformation mm. yeah yeah and the polish names like my polish name has been anglicized and people will still get it wrong <laughs> like you pronounce mine the way you read it there's no there's no polish inflection and every now and then someone will hit the polish pronunciation and i'll be like yes you got it but yeah. people people still say how do you how do you spell that and i'm like spell it the way it sounds you'll be right but i don't have any yeah. z's or c's or u's or anything like that in my name oh i've got a, oh, i've got yeah. a c but it's not it's not the old how do you put those consonants all together and get a sound out of that yeah it's a crazy language it's very different it's um oh it's it's yeah well you think that's crazy have you ever tried to understand hungarian Definitely not. I haven't even tried to understand Polish, to be honest. With you. Oh, well, had Polish you got more of it. Pronounce my name. Yeah, you've got you've got more chance understanding Polish. My my wife's dad, born in Hungary, and we went and stayed with her grandma in Hungary in Budapest for a little while when we were traveling around Europe. Cannot fathom how that is a language. It's apparently one of the hardest languages to learn because the roots are disparate they come in from different places and they've just amalgamated to make this language so it's not germanic it's not slavic it's its own thing right in the middle so interesting how as humans across the world in different tribal cultures and different lineages have formed so many different languages but the fact that language is inherent within homo sapiens Mm. and it's like the only like it's the only uh language that has like an alphabet to it it's like it's crazy and it, it influences so much of how we show up as human beings the, the, mm-hmm. the fact that we can think and have language and imagination it's like man we're a dominant species that's for sure it's it's yeah and the way then we get into the layer of how we talk to ourselves and the language yes. we learn in that we, we use internally yes and that's peeling right, back this- the onion Oh, I'm pumped to get into some fucking content here. So you've already inspired me to share something. So Go. This, this, this language that you said, the language that we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. most of the time in the world, we are connected to, well, there's some kind of uh, chatter that goes on in the head as a safety mechanism to protect us and, and, and to repeat the familiar in our minds so that we stay comfortable, we stay in the known 
and to try to avoid us going out into the unknown. We have yep. this like constant chatter and constant convincing. No, no, you shouldn't do this. No, you and we beat ourselves up a lot of the time. But the reason that most of us get away with it is because we're disassociated and unaware of how we're communicating to ourselves. And the most disassociated, so I'll go through the most disassoci disassociated way of communicating to ourselves. And then the most associated way of like, which really sinks in most disassociated way is the feeling that we have towards ourselves, And that's flies under the radar. So for example, instead of like, if you shout it out loud to just give an example of the polarity and you're like talking to yourself and you're like, oh, I'd say I was talking to myself, fuck you're useless, Ryan. And I said mm -hmm. it out loud. I'd take note of that. I'd be like, geez, that's intense. But if I'm <laughs> feeling that in my body and I'm just feeling like, man, I can't get it together, but I'm not saying it. I'm just feeling this pressure on myself. I'm feeling this heaviness on myself. It's very subtle in contrast to the shouting out what the language would say. Like if that feeling had a voice, what would it say? But a lot of the time, we're not the, the, the language or communication we have with, our, with ourselves, that inner critic, that self-talk, that negative self-talk is hidden in sensations and emotions and feelings. And so a lot of the time we aren't realizing how we're communicating to ourselves because it's not as obvious. So that's the most disassociated form. It goes under the radar, the, easy, the easiest. Then it's the, the, just the talk in the mind. So it's just like, oh, mate, you're useless. And it's like in the mind, it's like pretty easy to fly under the radar. Once it's, as soon as it's verbalized out loud, if you were to say everything that's going on in your mind out loud, it becomes a lot more obvious. Yeah, you're fucking useless, right? But if I looked myself in the mirror as the next form of association, while I said it, I looked myself in the eyes in the mirror and I said, fuck, you're useless, Ryan. It would be so hard to accept that I'm saying that to myself because it's just so, I'm so aware of the intensity of the way that I'm communicating to myself because I'm confronted with it head on, literally, because I'm looking at myself in the mirror. The only form that I think is more intense than that is if I was to bring the fragmented part of my psyche known as the inner child, my own inner child of five years old out into a living avatar in front of me. And I had my five-year-old version in front of me and I looked at him in the face and said, fuck your useless Ryan to myself as a five-year-old. That would be the most heavy and that would be the most intense for me to mm -hmm. actually real holy shit that's what i'm reinforcing to myself and so most of the time we're, we're still doing that we are like on a daily basis looking at our inner child and saying fuck you're useless but it's just an energy it's just a oh like you might be a little bit behind and or not where you want to be in work and and like you want to be further ahead in your business and so it's like okay so I'm feeling a little bit of pressure, like oh, I should be further ahead. Yeah. And that's like, it's easy to just allow that to fly under the radar. So I, I like to, and I've literally got it right next to me now. This is my self-love mirror. I, I keep it next to my bed. That and is I look awesome. At it. It's like a makeup mirror. I got it for like $3 from Kmart. That is it's great. Like my fav favorite thing in the world. I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I, I was yeah. getting like a travel bag like for toothpaste and stuff like this at Kmart and I was like oh my gosh I hit the jackpot this is three dollars and I bought it and it's like my prize I bought a bunch of them so I could give them out as gifts to friends and stuff as well it was like hey I you know I love you I, I really would like to give this to you and this is what it means and here's how you can use it blah 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 but I use it every single night and what it does is it associate it recreates that association because I look at myself deep in the eyes and I go holy fuck I'm actually a living being it's easy to forget mm. that when we're just spinning the thoughts in our mind and we're living so inside of our head that it's easy 
to just it's like in a relationship sometimes we can just coexist with someone for like six months without actually going whoa 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 let's just pause for a second and see them and look them in the eyes right in front just be like hey 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 everything aside world aside relationship aside patterns aside i fucking see you Mm. and I, i i fucking love you and i've got your back and we're fucking in this together let's do this and it's like really creating that level of depth and like i no no Everything else to the side, I fucking see you. And it's just like a pattern interrupt to the coexisting. You could sleep with your partner, brush your teeth next to each other, have sex, like touch each other, hug each other, and not have that level of acknowledgement of the fact that you're doing life together. And the same thing exists with ourselves. We can just exist in our own head, go about the reactivity, like the, the reactive narrative and strategy of the mind and the patterns and the conditioning. It is live out this repeated day, this day on repeat every day and forget the fact that, yo, I'm a fucking human. I've got a face. I've got eyes. I've got a mind. I've got a heart. I've got feelings. And then when I create that association with myself, when I do mirror work every night before I go to sleep, it, it cuts, it, it helps create a pattern interrupt that cuts that negative self-talk. And that gives me the ability to actually associate back to myself and realize how some of that internal self-criticism could be uh, negatively affecting me because I'm, I'm reminded that I'm alive and I'm, I really am here and this is me and I'm, and it's, it's sounds simple, but it's, it's profound for me at least really makes a big difference. It's such a good idea. You can't hide from yourself when you're looking in a mirror. No, you can't. Makes it real again. I like the idea of verbalizing because when it's in your head, it's almost, it's almost not real. Yeah. It's, it's, it's here somewhere. It's almost like it's coming from somewhere else. It's true. When you verbalize it. Yes. It's got more impact. And, and when I- you said like, when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's easy to get it. Like you can't avoid, you can, when you brush your teeth, because we look in the mirror every day, comb your hair, mm. brush your teeth, put on the makeup. And it's like, we, we, we still skip out on the fact that we're alive. But when you, when you verbalize it, like you just said, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, yo, Hey, like you're talking, like actually talk to yourself. No, no. Hey, yo, dude, I see you. like right there. Yeah. You, Hey, I'm here. Mm. And I fucking love you. And you look deep into, into the eyes. And that's the acknowledgement of the existence, the depth of it, the real taking the mm. present time to connect with yourself. It's very different to just glancing in the mirror and seeing the physical reflection and then combing your hair or looking at your pimples or <laughs> putting on sunscreen or whatever the fuck you do in the mirror for me, combing yeah, my beard. It's not the, <laughs> the, the, the beard combing is very important. Absolutely. <laughs> that you take some time over. It's just, ooh, yep. Okay, we're good. Well, I've, it's been killing me recently because my strategy is I, I have a shower. I put on the blow dryer down with the, like the, of course, the, the attachment on the end and it kind of straightens it down. Then I brush it as it's kind of being done down. But my Australian hairdryer doesn't work here. So most of the Airbnbs I've stayed up have one. This one doesn't. And I'm just like, killing me it's like drying a bit curly i'm looking a bit mangy i'm like motherfucker my hair it's not where i want it to be it's all good. oh beard problems it's hilarious i can't actually get my beard cut at my barber at the moment because we've got a mask mandate and which is which is crushing the small businesses who don't want to get smacked with like a five thousand dollar fine for not behaving themselves so yeah. last time i went and got my hair cut i had the mask on which was just a hilarious experience i walked in early this week are we, are we doing beards yet because i want if i'm coming in i want the experience like i enjoy being with your crew yeah i don't want to know next week i was like okay so i tried to cut it myself 
it's a bit of a weird experience trying to cut your own you can't see under so much of the shape of the beard happens what happens between them at the base of the neck guys that are listening i hope you're taking notes on this this is the most important (laughs) content of this chat this is the the most important part (laughs) beard love bit of beard love Oh, shit. Uh, I need a beard right, oil sponsor or something like that. Classic. Yeah, there's lots of beard oils. You could probably get oh, every time I go to the barber. Do you want a beard oil? I'm I'm fine. I've got something at home that is is okay. I don't actually use beard oil to be honest with you. I just uh, blow dry it down and get on with my day. I I I, I am very minimal when it comes to style. It's like yeah, well you got good yep. style. Yep, it's all done. I literally looked in the in the drawer this morning. It's like, oh, white t-shirt today. It's on top. That'll do. Away we go. <laughs> I literally have 10 of these white t-shirts. They're magnificent. That's yeah, I love it. Just plain white tees. It's, I mean, how can you go wrong with a plain white tee or a plain black tee? I mean, you're just fine. Well, I'm a bit milky, so I don't like the black tea. I feel like it really brings out my milkiness. But the white tea, in contrast, it's like, oh, fuck. He's got oh, look at me. tan going to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to work with what you've got. Oh, wow. I love it. Anyway, what do you got for me? Let's get into the Oh, no, I just, you know, I'll tell you what, what you reminded me of then. Two, you reminded me of two things before you got onto beards and we went off on our tangent. This podcast is all about tangents, by the way, Ryan. So if we go down the rabbit hole and it's a different rabbit hole than anyone expected, it's exactly where we're meant to be. Perfect. The eye contact thing. Yes. Well, I remember the, the, a number of times doing that. And the first few times I did, I was probably in my 20s and it would have been in some bullshit corporate team building experience where no one wanted to be wow. so it was like looking to eyes with for a corporate it's deep, yeah, yeah but it was also super i mean how can you be deep and superficial at the same time it was like the purpose was superficial like we were running through a process because this was a team building exercise rather than actually connecting with what it was yes and i'm in a amazing men's group now there's nine mm. of us and we make we, we go around the circle past the talking stick every man makes contact with every other man for as long as it feels right, whatever that is. But, and that is just the most amazing experience. Mm. But we also do the exercise of sitting for minutes sometimes as part of a process where you just look another man in the eyes. Mm. It takes a long time to become comfortable with that. It's, it's not a normal experience Mm. for most people. It definitely was for me when I was a kid, because you don't want to be, coming across as aggressive or overly yeah. forward. I walk down the street. I live in Noosa. It's like a country town. Most of the time I mm. walk down the street and I look at everyone in the eyes. They pass me everyone. Most mm. people are looking down at their phone or away. Mm. It's very difficult to make eye contact. Yeah. That's and I, I think, I think that's part. I th- that's beautiful too. I think it's part of the reason we're so disconnected that we, have lost the intimacy of seeing each other. Mm, I would agree with that massively. And I feel like we've got the highest quantity of connection that we've ever had as a species. Like if you go back to the tribal days, Mm. you're in a tribe, you're in your tribe. Even in Australia, they had like five, they had 500 tribes in Australia or communities that ranged between a hundred and a thousand people and then they were broken into 50 people tribes so even mm-hmm. if you had 100 in one then there'd be 250 people tribes a thousand in another community then there'd be 20 50 per person tribes and um yeah like 
they, they wouldn't see many other Aboriginals in their entire life. The population of Australia was like 250,000. That's now a hundred times that. So if you went into the city now for, for five minutes and they're like COVID's kind of messing with that, but just like a normal fucking city day, you'd see more people in that 10 minute period, that five minute period than what a normal tribes person would see in their entire life. Mm. And, and then we have social media where we're connected with thousands, millions of people. And so we've got the highest quantity, but the quality is dropped off significantly because of what you were saying there, that disconnection piece. And it's, it's a real shame because it doesn't feel good to not have that quality and it feels nourishing and enlivening. And it's very quick to feel the, the power of connection as well because of the contrast of how little we have it. And I feel sure. like that's, I love eye gazing. I just fucking love it. I do it all the time friends i've been doing it for a few years but when i first started doing it, it was intimidating but maybe i've been doing it for like five plus years now and it's just my fucking favorite thing i've eye gazed for over an hour sometimes with friends wow yeah i'm just that's deep and it's, it's really deep it's really beautiful and time passes very quickly and it's just so special and the, there's there's times where i'll be eye gazing and Ideas will come up. I'll, I'll feel like, oh, I love you. But most of the time, whatever things come up and pop into my mind, it wouldn't improve the quality of the experience if it was voiced. It's like, I only want to say something if it's going to improve upon the quality of the experience. And uh, yeah, highly encouraged for anyone listening to ask your partner, even though you're just giving yourself permission for it to feel a bit uncomfortable and knowing that that's normal and just like to put a two minute timer on or a five minute timer and oh yeah give it a well and it's it's one of those things my wife actually brought it up the other day we were talking about intimacy and how we can prove intimacy in our relationship and i asked her can you come back to me with something that you think will work rather than me being the guy who does coaching and investigates all this stuff coming back with something that came out of a book or another coach said like what can we connect with and she said let's just sit and look at each other in the eye and i'm like Yep. Legend. Let's do that. We've just got to work out how we can do it. So it's just the logistics and we can do this. How do we do that without getting interrupted by the crazy kids running around wanting attention all the time? So we've got to time it and I'm waiting for it. I can't wait for it to happen because it's such a bang that there's your connection there, right there. Yeah. And it's okay. If, if things interrupted as well, like I feel, I feel like you even tell the kids, yo, we're going to, just like look at each other and really connect with each other. You guys just do what you want. And that'd probably work. That'd be the best way to get rid of them. They'd be like, all right, that's weird. Boom. And they'd be <laughs> <off>. <laughs> but that's it's interesting funny. because this discussion of intimacy, I think, especially in relationships gets misconstrued as having to be sexual. Yeah. And it misses the point. Like, look, the way I see intimacy is sex and the act and anything around that can be within that, let's say, sphere of intimacy, but it's not all that it is. Mm. How do and when you define you can... intimacy? Say again? How do, you, how do you define intimacy? That's a really good question. So for me, it's all about connection and, mm. and holding space for each other. And it doesn't actually have to be physical space. Mm. So... I can be intimate with my wife and she can be at work, which she is now. And I can be at home doing my work. And most of our connection might be from a device where we just send a little message to each other, but we can still hold our bubble. Okay. 
So our intimacy is like the bubble that we have. For me, that for me, that's what it is. It would be interesting to ask her that question. Yeah. Maybe in a few weeks, when she hears this, she'll come up and just say, "Ah, you and Ryan were talking about this thing. Let's let's dig deeper." Yeah, I feel like it's deep connect, like deep connection. Yes, well, so yeah, and also uh, that's kind of implicit, I, I think, in what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I totally wasn't saying that you weren't saying that. I was no, just no, like, no, no. I was, feel, I was feeling into my own definition. I was like, yeah, I feel like any deep connection feels intimate to me, even if it's with a friend. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, all, and also, like open as well open like explain that unrestricted you know vulnerable in the true sense of the word word vulnerable not this misunderstanding of the word vulnerable which means you know i'm just letting people run over the top of me more the idea of I, i am open to this i'm open to being hurt i'm accepting of it if, if that's what happens, that's okay. It's not what I want f- from this, but I'm prepared for it. I'm willing, I have a willingness to be hurt in order to fully experience this connection with you. To, to be hurt? If that's what happens. Yeah, to be whatever. Have your heart you know, open. Definitely. Yeah, to be whatever. And I, mm. I believe you have to have that willingness for it to go wrong, to be open to the possibility of it going right, whatever the definition is. Of right now. And I think that's, that's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because wrong, it's kind of like when people talk about having a bad trip. It's like a bad trip usually means it was uncomfortable. But why is that bad? Mm. Or like intimacy, like if it goes wrong, it means that there's like usually a disempowerment, like what's labeled as like a negative emotion on the emotional frequency chart. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's wrong. Like, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the spectrum. Yeah, it's learning to be okay and understanding that changing the association that we have to fear, the association we have to sadness and the association that we have to grief and anger because these these emotions are the ones that are generally given a bad rap. To, mm-hmm. If you've got fear, like all the time if you say, oh, are you fearful? They'll be like, I'm not scared. And it's like, well, yeah, you, like you should be <laughs> like, because our nervous <laughs> system is designed to, be, to have us feeling fear and, and to be scared of anything that's unfamiliar, including vulnerability, because that's less in control. It's that's We can't control that as much. So yeah, you should be scared. I'm scared. And it's just like giving a bad rap and then sadness. Oh, you're crying. You know, or anger. It's like, settle down. But it's like, these are just all natural. They're mm-hmm. so natural. And, uh, and uh, like, for me, it's so normal now. Like my friends champion any of, if I cried in front of my friends, there's going to be like, <laughs> not actually clapping but that is going to be thank you thank you so much for sharing that in front of me and like i really appreciate it how can i best support you right now and i might just say i need some space or hey can i have a hug and they're like yeah absolutely and so it's just mm-hmm. like they're celebrated and i just another little tangent but the other tangent i was going to say is that sex in society is seen as penetration is usually what sex means to people so when you said before intimacy isn't just sex sex isn't just penetration as well sex mm-hmm. can be an energetic exchange of vulnerability so intimacy could be seen as sex even if it's not physical penetration as well done like a lot of work on tantra and what one thing they talk about with tantra and sacred sexuality is that they talk about the five different bodies the physical being one and when society thinks of sex they think of the the merging of the physical but we also have mm-hmm. the emotional the spiritual the energetic and the mental 
And like, so one, one exercise that anyone that's listening can do with their partner or with themselves in like a self-pleasure practice is you eye gaze with each other, but then you go through each of these five bodies and acknowledge the other person. So you would connect to each other's physical body and just like scan across and be, appreciate not just the physical sexualized elements that society sexualizes, like look at your tits, look at your, you know, um, pussy and cock and just like get excited about this stuff but looking at the the actual biology and appreciating mm. whoa you've got eyes that can see and a nose that can breathe and lips and and teeth and just like saying whoa this is fucking amazing like look at your avatar like look at your body it's incredible and acknowledging that and then going through the emotional body and both feeling whoa just taking appreciation and stock of the fact that this person can feel all variety of emotions this person can think and they've got this mind that's ticking but on the other side of their eyes that i can say i can kind of like tune into their mind is buzzing and say whoa this person can think and they've got intelligence and they can put and they've got a prefrontal cortex that can it has critical thinking and all these amazing things and then tuning into like the the energy like the tantric kundalini energy and tuning into the spirit like looking into the eyes and seeing the witness behind behind it and that spreads out the focus away from just the physical and creates this beautiful full spectrum experience that's just it's amazing and one other thing that was like one of the biggest hacks that i that i got from my tantra teacher was to honor the person honor parts that aren't usually sexualized capabilities qualities but call them sexy so you might compliment your partner for like how they keep the house tidy it's like it's super sexy the way that you keep the house tidy and it just creates so much more intimacy you or you'd be like hey the way that you just like uh, appreciated me I just want to let you know it's really fucking sexy. Thank you. Or the way that you just like, you've been growing and focusing time on your business or the way that you suggested the eye gazing activity to me, I found it really sexy that you took the time to find something to improve our intimacy. Then you mm -hmm. came back and told me that's really fucking sexy. I just want to acknowledge you for that because it is. Our, what we actually find attractive is not just <laughs> the body, is it? Like, which we know, especially the older that we get and the more grounded and, and, and connected and and the breadth of experience we have in life like we don't find just the physical sexy we find who the person is sexy and so yes. we complement and sexify those qualities and then that makes the person go fuck well i want to do that more and and it makes them a bit more orgasmic and a bit more connected and a bit more flirty and like fuck thank you and i don't know about you but if your partner compliment if a girl uh, a girl compliments me and yeah any recent girl <laughs> Yeah. In a recent dating container I was in, I kind of kicked it off early in the dating and I, I started complimenting her on qualities that she had that weren't physical appearance and calling them sexy. And she started saying things to me like, Hey, the fact that you shared how you were feeling with me, I just want to say that's really fucking masculine. It's really fucking sexy. And feel and hearing that is just so nice. It's just like, wow, sexy. That's different to like, Oh, it's really cute how you're in touch with your emotions or Hey, it was really cool that you're in touch with your emotions. It's sexy that lands differently. It just mm -hmm. fucking hits home. So a hack for anyone that's listening, start sexifying qualities outside. Just, you can also call physical appearance things sexy as well. It's great. But then of see course. if you can distribute it out to the other qualities as well. Emotions, mental, energy, spirit, <laughs> behavior. It's cool. I've not tried that. I'm going to have to put that one in the bag. I'd never heard of it either. It's, that's great. Game, it's game and it's, it's kind of nice because it flies in the face of this modern idea we have of objectification and making everything sexy but it's yeah. it's the intent behind it right we're not yeah. we're not looking at 
making stuff about sex. We're just we're just complementing with a different word, so it 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 is absorbed differently by the other person. That's I have to investigate that one. It's crazy that one. Hey, it's such a cool little hack. And but it, mm. it is making it. It's it's actually doing the opposite of objectifying things because it's it's allowing the person to feel like you're attracted because we all want to feel attractive. Just because mm. you're attracted to someone doesn't mean you want to fuck them all the time. But it's allowing someone to feel attractive for the full spectrum of who they are. And so it's actually taking away and it's doing the opposite of objectification. Mm. But I it's like actually going to make then. the person, yeah, it's actually going like to make what, the person more horny anyway. Yeah, I like what you said then about just because you find someone attractive doesn't mean you want to fuck them. Yeah, it's true. Uh, right? Well, yeah, it, it, again, they don't have to be associated. There can be an appreciation or an attraction on whatever level, physical, emotional, spiritual, that doesn't require anything more than that other than acknowledgement. Yeah. Exactly. I think more people need to be aware of that, that it's okay to be attracted that doesn't mean anything has to happen. And you don't, if you're the person who It'd be pretty someone creepy is if it did. <laughs> yeah, it did well. Like exactly I'm right, into but... you, look, you know the rules. We need to fuck now. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd make it very complicated. Very complicated, very quickly. But see, I, I, I get a sense that at the moment, there is this, it's not everywhere, but if there is an attraction. It It's almost like, no, 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 don't be attracted to me. Like, I don't want that attention. Okay. If there's attention that's moving into something that you don't want, I fully understand what you're talking about, but uh, mm. I think we can also acknowledge that it exists and nothing has to happen. That's not a bad thing. We don't mm. have to push that energy away. You know, I'm not talking about untoward attention or anything getting creepy. I'm talking about, Let's just You're talking about women using sex as a weapon, which is well, like well, in a, in, a, in a way, but I mean it can be both. You, joke, <laughs> but it's an actual model in David Dieter's uh, like uh, philosophy, who's a, like right. a, a masculine, feminine body maker. Yes, yes, he talks yes. about three layers of of women. He talks about like slutty energy, like a level one, and that's just me labeling it. You guys can do what you want with me saying that, but it's like that means that they're trying to use their sexuality to get something. They're using it as a manipulation so they might use it like think of like someone that dresses more promiscuously and they're trying to get something but they can also use it to repel they can be like hey i've got this but don't look at me and they're mm -hmm. trying to get the attention but use it to strong arm and manipulate mm -hmm. and that's that's a level control. one woman yeah control and a level two from insecurity there's no bad intent but the mm -hmm. second level or conscious bad intent second level is okay i'm going to hide it away and i'm going to suppress my sexuality so the first one's like an inner, like an unhealthy use. The second one is a, well, I'm going to block it. And then the third one is like, no, I let my energy flow, but I do it to give to the world. So I'm actually really healthy. I've got a healthy connection to my sexuality. I love my sexual energy and I think it's beautiful and I, I let it flow. I don't suppress it. I don't use it to, to try to manipulate or get or control. I just let it flow. And I think it's a gift to the world. I don't look down on it. I don't try to use it in any bad way. I just let it flow. And that's when you see these beautiful feminine goddess characters that there's no, there's no dark, there's no like shadow energy to it. There's this beautiful light energy and they're just radiant and magnetic for men and women. Mm -hmm. Some women would be triggered by it, but most, and so I guess some men might be as well, but it's, it's radiant. Yeah, it's magnetic. It's beautiful. I think you can, you can recognize if you're tuned in yourself, you can recognize those women and men 
regardless of your own gender, that, like, there, there is a different energy about that, that person. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the intent behind it seems more authentic to use another yeah. word that's almost been done to death. I love that word, authentic. And it's a great word. It's a, a lot of these words are great words. And unfortunately, when marketing, the marketing department gets involved, we have to navigate what all of the billboards are telling us about these words to actually get back to the true essence of what they are. Mm, I love authenticity, like uh, the, the word, because for me, it just means alignment. And I feel like it's good word. People just say it's such a basic word, be authentic or just aren't being authentic. They kind of just like broad chunk it up to being meaning good. If this person's authentic, they're a good person. It's like having integrity. But to me, it's it's like uh, most people are being inauthentic without realizing it because they don't feel comfortable enough with themselves that they can't bring their truth to the surface. Yes. Um, because they're, they're walking around in fear and then changing what their real truth is to try to chameleon, to be like a chameleon in the situation and, and to get liked and whatnot. And you know what? When I was the nicest that I've ever been, I was the less, like least authentic that I ever was because I was such a pleaser because I was so mm-hmm. scared and I wanted everyone to like me. And now I actually have boundaries and, and I'd, I'd probably be slightly less nice, but I'm actually more authentic and people feel safer around me for that reason. Yeah. There's a, the nice thing's an interesting one. I feel like nice is less about pleasing yourself and more about pleasing others. And I talk to my kids about this, that there's a difference between not being nice and being kind. Mm. Like you can be kind to someone else and at the same time, be kind to yourself. Mm. Whereas nice when you're trying so hard to please and be nice and be good and do the right thing for other people, you somehow diminish yourself. I love that. So I love to flip it to kindness because yeah, it's that's beautiful. It's both sides of the picture. In fact, you yeah, could say it, it radiates out, right? Mm. It's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. Oh, you're welcome. Sound like mate. a great dad. Sound like a really mate, great dad. Uh, I have moments of clear perspective and then I have moments of what the fuck am I actually doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's dadding. Biggest, yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I've been in this coaching certification program recently with four kind of like titans in the coaching world. You've got Preston Smiles, Alexi Panos, who are a couple, and then Stefanos Sifindos and Christine Hassler, who are a couple. And the four of them run this, this coaching certification program. It's new. It's called Elementum. And it's been awesome going through this. But uh, Preston and Alexi have been like new parents over the last five or six years, but they're such pros at the coaching space that they've been applying all their coaching knowledge and research and blah, blah, blah to parenting. And so there's been some really cool parenting advice and stuff that comes out of it. And also with the background of like clinical psychology, like Christine's been a clinical psychologist like 20 plus years or something. So she's brought in that perspective and been lots of things around parenting. And one thing they're talking about, which I think is interesting that I had the opposite perspective, future pace future basing how I was going to raise my kids is like trying just to be like this perfect parent but they were just talking about you can just mess up and do anything you want really as long as you're honest and authentic and just yeah. go back and own your shit so if you like yell at your that's kids it. it's fine own your shit. go back and just be like sorry I messed up I'm sorry for yelling that's that wasn't the best way to approach it and I'm really sorry and that's better than just being attempting to be super clean you can't be super clean kids, yeah, it's messy it's raw it's yeah. it's it's an it's a beautiful chaos mm. a beautiful chaos and 
what I have worked out recently, because I gave myself, when I first became a dad, I gave myself these titles and roles internally. Like, and I now have to be a provider. I have to be a supporter. I have to be a teacher. All these things. Mm. And the teaching one was big. And it comes up a lot for some of the men that I talk to personally and in coaching scenarios mm-hmm. where there's this inbuilt idea that as dad, you have to teach. Mm. And I, I think when I look back at my dad, he did his best to teach me and his dad probably did the same. I, I have decided to let go of the idea of teaching unless it's asked for by my kids. So if my daughter asks mm. for help with maths, then I'll step into the teaching role. What I want to do instead is model the behavior that I feel is right and true and authentic and just in the world. So if I fuck up by yelling because I'm tired and I've had a long day and I didn't sleep and the dog dug another hole in the yard, you know, nothing they did and I yell at them. Then once I take a couple of breaths, I'll I'll say that has nothing to do with you. That was all me. And Mm. you don't need to take any of that load. That's all on me. And Fuck, that'd even, be powerful to hear. I just hearing you say that, I realized that never happened to me. My parents never said that. And they would never come back and say that was on me. No, <laughs> I don't crazy. think I, I can see looking back now that my parents probably thought that, probably felt that, but I don't really know many times I got an apology from parent to child. Yeah. yeah. I just and it's not that they didn't do the best job they could do. And my parents are fucking amazing. Like let's the fucking amazing um but yeah it's just, hearing you say that i felt it in my body like how it would have felt if i was to have my father or mother say that to me how mm. nice that like how much that would have landed for me and how much safety that would have created huge so. amount of safety like you talk about containers right that's a safe family container because what do your kids want the most they safe. want they want safety Exactly. They, well, yeah, which is implicit in that in that container, right? That yeah. whoever you are, whatever you do, it's okay here. Whatever comes up, we can work with it. Yeah. You just do you the best you can do you. Yes. And we'll work the other shit out. Like let let's throw the grenade in, and we'll just pick up the pieces afterwards. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful. I'm curious, like, what came up when you were saying that you dropped the role of teaching altogether? I've done that with my friends over the last few years as I realized that I was almost trying to control them because of my own insecurities of feeling like I need to always get better. And therefore I was always trying to change my friends. Mm-hmm. And now I just simply ask, Hey, how would you like me to best support you here? And a lot of the time that just means listening. I don't even want to give advice to my friends really because I'm not trying to prove myself constantly as I'm talking to them. I save that for podcasts like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. So, but when I'm doing these chats with my friends or like my sister or something like that, I just, I just reflect back, like, cause that's how I want to be treated now from my friends. I often, most of the time don't want to be given advice because I seek so much of it through coaches and what, whatnot. I just want either encouragement or listening or just chatting about other things. But I'm curious to know, like as a dad, um, if you could, like, if there's still the role of teaching Eve and and how it could oh, I had a specific thought earlier, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was I wonder if it gets integrated in without them asking for it. Maybe you asking if they feel okay with you teaching them before you do it. Because surely there's gotta be some surely kids won't want to be asked 
or or do they just want want advice regularly or do they want to be taught things without you instigating it yeah the short short is in my experience and it was true for me it's true for almost everyone i've spoken to and i'm pretty sure it's true for my kids even though i haven't asked them explicitly is they don't want to be told what to do especially when they're coming into teen years so my son's 13 so he's fully adopted teenhood now yeah my daughter's 10 but she's going on 14 like she's an old soul she gets it so I'm dealing effectively with two teenagers. Yes. They don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. I never did. And they're, they're smart enough in their own ways because they're both completely different entities. Yes. It's amazing that they came from the same parents. They are so different. Yes. So they're, they're, they are both have their own genius, their own way of processing the world, of interacting with the world. Uh-huh. I'm not like either of them completely there are some aspects that overlap so who am i to tell them how to live because i don't understand their experience yeah i don't completely understand their their perspective of the world yes and i think when i let go of assuming i knew better for them that's when yes. i can stop teaching yes they'll so still come things- to me if they've got questions right and then that's yeah. fine i can step into that then and say oh you've asked a question about that let's let's do you want to jump in we'll we'll go in we'll go for it mm. my my son will because he knows the work that i do some nights he'll be no he knows he's thinking too much dad can you come in and can we talk can we do some of the work that you do because i'm thinking too much and i'm not, you know i'm not enjoying it or i don't like it or i hate it or whatever language he uses sure yes. let's do it my daughter if she can't sleep she'll ask me to do some magic because she knows i do hypnotic work can we do some magic dad we That's can do so magic cool. anytime you want to do magic but I'm not going to say to you what you should be doing if you can't sleep is let your thoughts go. Yes. It doesn't work. It'd be like me telling you exactly what to do to fix a problem. You'd be like, fuck you, Adam. You don't know where this problem came from, nor how it's really affecting me. I don't yes. need you to tell me how to do it. I understand. And this is the same approach that I take with my friends. Yes. And I'm curious to know if there's room as a parent. Cause if you think back to the, my, my assumption of how they worked within a tribal culture is that you have the uh, you've got a hierarchy of wisdom through the older teachers, the younger there's initiations, the boys become men, the men teach the boys, but there'd be a learning and a paying forward of storage and a passing on of knowledge and a teaching how to hunt and stuff like this. And I know that they wouldn't have just been like, cool boys, do whatever you want. And then if you ever want to learn to hunt, it's like, no, you you hunt like surely. So I'm curious to know like the bat, like if there's a balance with it where you might go to your kids and say, Hey, I, like, I'd really love to, to teach you something that's really that, that I've learned, which is how to, you know, do some building stuff. Is that something you'd mm-hmm. be interested in? And then if you get their buy-in, then you could teach them versus just a pure passive, which I still think so much more, like from my own experience with how I've liked to be interacted with and how I uh, have seen people respond positively to my interactions as friends and family members, et cetera, the unconditional love and they're not trying to change them. But just if there's room for like a bit uh, midpoint of like there's certain things that you think would be really valuable that are just general things that you can ask for their buy-in without an expectation. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the idea and, and your word, not mine of a container is perfect. Because a container has a boundary. There is, there is, a, there is an outside. So yes. 
kids need boundaries. If you give them complete freedom, it's like, it's like anyone you give a, my puppy's running around the yard at the moment. If I give her complete freedom and she's not corrected when she does the wrong thing, she might as well be just a wild animal. She's not a domesticated animal because she'll, she'll revert back to true nature. Mm. So the kids are kind of the same. I'm, I'm now I'm comparing true nature. They will go off the rails. If you give them no boundaries, because they don't know the difference between quote unquote right and wrong. So it's yeah. kind of like you can be a yogi and be immensely spiritually aware, but you still have to pay attention when you're crossing the street. There are boundaries. You have a physical yes. body that can end. Yes. Same with kids. So we've got to, we have to teach them basics. But my kids are at the age now where they've, they're aware of their own separation from the world as well as their connection to the world. They're, yeah. they're not a newborn child who doesn't realize that they're separate. You know, that's that, that's that wonderful thing where we're born connected and we have to work out our way to get back to being connected with yeah. the, the, the universe, the, the source, yeah. the void, whatever we want to call it, God, whatever that, whatever that thing is. Yeah. So my thing with the kids is I will make suggestions rather than tell them. I think that's the difference for me at least yeah. is I don't tell them they have to do something. So I've been giving even chores and stuff. Well, see, I, I, yeah, chores is interesting. I got them to buy in because they wanted something else. They wanted to get income of their own. Mm. They wanted the standard pocket money thing. So I said, okay, how are we going to do this? Which jobs do you want to do around the house? Which jobs do you know that need to be done around the house? How can you help out? Mm. So they come back with ideas and then we work through the process together. How much is that worth? What do you think is fair in terms of income that what it will cost your mum and I to pay you to do this work? So mm. it's see, so I'm, we're teaching transaction. We're teaching finance. When they make money, we've got a, a process of there's money that they can spend, there's money they save, and then there's money for charity, for donations. And then they can decide where that money goes. Mm. So if they get $10 a week, how do we how do we divvy that up? So they learn mm. stuff within each of these little activities. I'm not mm. explicitly teaching them how to be good with money, but they know already that you don't just make it and spend it. Mm. Some of it goes into savings, some of it goes to the greater good, and then you get your fun money. Mm. And sounds like ask, it sounds like you're just really like you're really tuned in and and, and considerate in in their map of the world and, and doing things in relation to who they are, not just projecting who you are onto them. Yeah, even that's if you're my trying goal. to teach them a lesson, you, you have the consideration to ask them and what they're going to find valuable in this or making, yeah, just, it just really seems like the intention behind the way that you're doing things hmm. is, is very deliberate and very open-minded and very considerate. Yeah. And like, you can see my books here, like half of that, that section there, like that whole thing where it's got, Steve Bidoff's manhood book, most of that's parenting and happy families type stuff and relationship. And mm. most people, this is what I find amazing. Most parents don't even read a book on parenting mm. and I'm not judging. I just find it amazing mm. that there is a wealth of information out there about any kind of method that you want to connect with in terms of parenting. Most of these ones are about, emotional intelligence and mindful parenting and connected parenting and all of this kind of stuff, which is where I want to be. How can I be more aware? How can I be more connected? 
mm. not not how can I be more controlling and how can be how can I be more strict and make sure they tick all the boxes because I did that when I was a kid my parents raised me after you know their parents went through the war so they were brought up go out and make your money and have your family and support and and all these structures were in place so they they passed that on to me which is most of my contemporaries and my generation's the same kind of thing yeah so I was taught go to school study hard finish high school go to uni get a job out of uni earn a bunch of money get married have 2.3 kids that was pretty much it. Retire at 65, whether there's meaning in your life or not. And then you should have an investment property by that point that you can retire to if you want to. It's like all mapped out. Mm. I don't connect to any of that. I did it. I did it up until mid-20s when I was like, fuck, this is killing me. It's pretty young to have the realization. Well, I'm still, still working it out now 20 years later. But that was the point where I was, okay, don't want to work in an office. I, I don't want to do this for the money. Yeah. Well, other people are doing it a different way. How can I do that? It's pretty awesome that you had that at 25 though, because a lot of people won't, don't, they don't like it, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. So I ran away. Cool. I ran, ran away to London for a year, try and work my shit out. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, 27, 20, yeah, 27, 20, 25, close enough. But I hated it all at 25. Like I got, cause I, I studied IT because I was good at computers at school. Yeah. No fuck. At 18 years old, how the fuck do you know what you want to do? Like some people are blessed and they've found their one thing. <laughs> uh, I didn't find it at 18. I don't know about you, but I didn't find it at 18. I'm still trying to work out no, I was like, how do I tie my shoelaces? Yeah. And I feel like it's going to keep, mm, I, like I just don't know what the future holds. And I've got a curious question for those that are listening as well, which is something that, I just don't feel like asked very often. I, I, I don't even remember how I came up with this question, but if you followed your heart for the rest of your life, like literally, which is the extreme opposite of the head, the head wants safety, familiarity, control, security, etc. The heart wants growth and the unknown and just, just that gut feel is following it into the unknown where you don't know what's going to happen exactly, but it's just, some kind of magic comes from it, a learning or an experience. And, and my question for, for those that are listening is if you followed that heart for the rest of your life, which means if, you, in, if you're in a job that you hate right now and your heart's, telling you, your heart's not in it and you, you quit, and then you'd, if you wanted to start some business, you'd start it. And then if you wanted to pivot it, you'd pivot it. If you wanted to go do some, like wherever your heart was leading you, literally just going after it for the rest of your life, would you be more successful, do you think, more fulfilled, more free, have more money, have more security. And the answer, I've never had someone say no, never. Yeah, five yeses. Yeah, everyone just says yes. It's just like, yes, I, like I do think that. But then 99.99% of people don't follow their heart. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a curious question. This is what I, like I, I plan on following my heart for the rest of my life, like all the time. And it's, it's a fucking beautiful way to live. Like it's super fulfilling, but you ha you have to be all in on it because you yeah. go, Oh, I'm going to quit my job and do this. Oh shit. Then you got one foot in the security, one foot there. You're never going to yield the breakthrough. No, you got to jump. You, yeah. You got to, you got to jump and just continue to leap. And, and the people that we admire most in society are people that follow their heart. Like uh, the rock. 
Oh, yeah, he's going to quote that says, I've never gone wrong trusting my gut. And then you have Albert yeah. Einstein. The only val- real valuable thing is intuition. And then you have, um, you got like Mal B from the Spice Girls and, and you just got like this list of people. It's like every, like J-Lo, every person that we look up to in a big way, follows their mm-hmm. heart. Conor McGregor. Um, the, the, yeah. Tiger cra- I'm, I'm, I'm big. I'm big into Will Smith at the moment. I've been, he's started to put Oof. out some content on YouTube. That's just about life and his philosophy behind it. Fuck me. That guy's in like, he, he just, Mate. he's got it. He's, he's been in got for it. a long time as well. Oh yeah. Why he is where he is. One, my favorite quote of his is that greatness is not some esoteric, elusive, godlike quality that only the special among us ever experience. It's something that truly exists in every one of us. Mm. And I remember hearing that back in the day going, oh, yeah, it'd be nice if that was kind of true. And I was, <laughs> but, but I'm not Will Smith. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's, but I realized only through researching and understanding how similar we were as humans. I'm not sure if I spoke about this in the podcast that you were listening to that ended up having us do this, but this idea of like, we are the same, like you and I, Adam are the same. We've got the same. We've both got a face. We've both got a nose, a mouth, a heart. And we both, we all, we both have a nervous system. And that's the one that I'm very fascinated with the nervous system because mm-hmm. it's the thing that controls fear and fear is the thing that holds most people captive and blocks their dreams from happening, blocks them from greatness, which is, which yeah. is that quote's about. But because we all have this nervous system, that everyone around the planet, all the famous people that you look up to or the successful the thought leaders, the influencers, the gurus, all of these people that you look up to feel the same when they go to do something that scares them. Yes. what you do when you go to do something that scares you because we we have the same biology so and it's, it is of course when we talk about it but that's not what we feel when i think of like conor mcgregor or i think of oprah winfrey i don't think of someone being the same i think of some completely different separate greatness person that's just i i, I look at them and i just see something different i don't see mm-hmm. myself in them naturally i've got to remind myself of this because i but I, f- I forget that my nervous system is pumping me with adrenaline and cortisol to try to put me into the parasympathetic nervous system of fight, flight, freeze, or peace, and avoid going outside the, my comfort zone, avoid doing anything that's in the unfamiliar to try mm-hmm. to keep me safe. And that they have that happening, and I have that happening, and we have our heart and our head, the head being the, the one that's trying to protect us and keep us safe in the nervous system, and the heart being the part of us that's like the sole basis that's trying to pull us into the unknown, thrust us into the unfamiliar, and how we all have the head and the heart, and Will Smith has his heart leading him, but he feels the same when he goes to do something that scares him, as what I feel when I go to do something that scares me, as what the listeners feel when they, like you listening right now, you feel like you're going to, if I said go down the street, and wear a bikini and dance and sing in your grocery store while you do your normal shopping, you wouldn't do it because you it just feel fucking terrible in your nervous system. But it'd feel terrible for me. It'd feel terrible for Adam. It'd feel terrible for everyone involved I don't look good in who did it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's just terrifying because we have the fear of social rejection. That's programmed into our biology. Will Smith would feel the same way. Everyone feels the same way with our own equivalent next aligned step from our heart. And so this question of if you followed your heart for the rest of your life, would you be better off or would in every way? And the answer is yes. Then it's like the reason why we don't do that is because 
of this nervous system. And as soon as the adrenaline and cortisol comes in, it's telling us you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. There's something wrong. This is bad. And we actually believe it. We go, Oh fuck. I don't want to quit my job. It's unsafe. Exactly. I don't want to die. And my parents tell me this and we, and then our head finds all the evidence to back up and it's doing its job, keeping us in the familiar. And that happens to everyone though. But as soon as you have awareness over it, you can acknowledge it. You can feel the intensity of it. And, but at least you can be aware of it being a normal biological function and not then choose to look at yourself lower as the people that you look up to because you've got those feelings because everyone's got those feelings and no one talks about it. No one's like, I've never heard someone else ask the question. If you follow your heart for the rest of your life, would you be better off? Barely anyone gets asked that question and barely anyone gets gets told that they're the same as will smith barely anyone mm-hmm. gets told that the same as michael jordan not the fact that you're meant to be a basketballer and the greatest basketballer of all time but the fact that you have a heart with a dream he has a heart with a dream you have a head full of fear you've got a nervous system that makes you feel like you're going to die when you do something that's unfamiliar and so does everyone else and so but if you can acknowledge it and choose to go then you can craft your dream you can cr- craft your reality to be this magical life this one shot full of fulfillment and freedom and and that to me just that just stirs up this curiosity and this uh excitement to support people to live that wild ride like i'm doing myself it's Mm. fucking awesome so awesome it is just i it's like that's that i I say it's like living life with the handbrake off yes a lot of people are trying to step into this heart space and they've still got, as you said, they've still got the foot over the other side of the line, which is keeping them safe and secure. And the handbrake's yeah. on. They, they want desperately to follow heart, but their head's yeah. still so loud, pulling yeah. them back. All of those belief systems, all of the old habits, all yeah. of that old shit, all of that old weight, you can't just let go. I mean, you say to someone, just let it go and go for it. And like, yeah, it's not that easy. Well, it but is that actually, easy, but it's not. Don't, yeah. I, I don't think say, it, it is that easy. But no, no, the actual, it's, it's a simple concept. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's simple, but the actual act or the doing, not so yeah. simple, not so easy. Yeah. And I think sometimes something has to happen for you to push you. Or, yes. you know, I think of Fight Club. I read the book before I saw the movie. And it's just about this guy's descent, right, into almost some kind of psychotic madness, really. But <laughs> the, the point being, he hits the bottom and he works out, oh, that's a long way down, but it's all okay down here as well. And then he can build himself back up again and recreate his own world. And there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. But his, his path is the bottom's not that bad. I can actually still exist here. I've let everything go. And now that I have no load, I can go back up again. Yes. My own thing, this conversation wouldn't be happening if COVID didn't kick my clinical business in the balls Mm. and I didn't pick up the phone when I had nothing to do one day and call an old mate and he's just like, fuck, we haven't spoken for ages. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, sold my gym, followed my heart, created this thing. This is happening. Why aren't you online talking to people, Adam? Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to do it. He's like, you like talking to people. You're good at talking to people. You connect with people. You've got. He's telling me what my genius is straight away. And I, and he was my mirror at that point. We were talking about mirrors before. All right. So like two days later, 
podcast starts, I start putting out content. Good action taking. That's yeah, quick. fuck that. I, I don't stop, man. I just go. I just, yes. I don't think, of the, but this is the thing. Don't think about it. Just fucking do it. Yes. So I did. I still don't know how I'm making money from this new thing that I've created. I've still got some clinical work going on. I've got some coaching work. I don't give a fuck. Like it feels good. Mm. It feels really good. Like I know it's happening. Every time I talk to someone about what I'm doing, they're like, you are doing the right work for you right now. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to follow. And I said to my wife, I feel better now making less money and following this thing that I'm building. I've got, I mean, admittedly, I've got a general idea of how I can make money out of it. I just don't know if it'll work or not. And that's okay. Why is it okay? Yeah, because it will work. Okay. But if it doesn't, that's okay. So then I pivot and something else will work. Okay. But I'm going to stay true. And what gives you the, what gives you the confidence to know that's going to happen? I have no idea. Is it because you had the clinical business set up and working before? Oh, I've done other stuff that's worked before. Yeah. Because the reason I'm asking is because it's a fucking awesome mindset. I just happen to be this like big advocate of when people throw out the, these messages. Cause I used to, cause just, just to be clear, I, I want to try to support the viewers here with something that I know that I, as a facilitator bypassed uh, other people's experiences in the past by kind of preaching these things. Like I was, cause, cause when I was 21 and I made a million dollars in 12 months and 10 months, then I built this multi-million dollar business. I was preaching from this place of like, you can fucking do it, just do it. But it, 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 it lacked it. I, I didn't give people I didn't have enough compassion for the reality of what people's fears are and emotions are and stories are and journeys are being different to mine. And so like, if you're listening, I just really want to hammer the point home that if you know there's something that you want to do and you're struggling to do it, there's that's normal, you know, like it's not because before you were saying it can be that easy. And I'm playing the role of in the same conversation, knowing that your point's valid and powerful as well, just to play the polarity so that there's the contrast, because I feel both are really important is that it's also not that easy. And it also just doesn't go away. Like it doesn't just dissipate the the fears. Like for me, I've been doing this for ages and I've made $10 million in this industry. And I'm still nervous when I do my next thing, which could be launching a new marketing campaign. I still fear a lot of fear and I understand that it's not easy, but that, that compassion for myself and the realization that what you're feeling, you might listen to Adam say, you know, it's easy or don't think about it. Just do it and go, well, fuck, I've tried that. And it's just not working for me. And that's okay because your nervous system's just fucking that's it's, it isn't sometimes that easy and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you just keep, if you just keep the light shining and you just keep your dream alive and give yourself compassion, sometimes we need to, we do need to transition in your own way. Like, you know who you are, you know how you work. I know who how, I work while under extremes and I kind of projected that onto others, but some people do need one foot in the, in the business, one foot in a job for a little while while they transition. It's sure. just a long-term approach has got to be, okay, I know that I'm going to my dream no matter what, but I'm going to allow my heart to determine what the steps look like, which is going to be transitional. But I'm just going to give myself some grace and know that I do it the way that I'm going to do it. 
and it's okay if it's hard there's nothing wrong the whole purpose here if i want the listeners to get get is that when you when you're struggling through your business and your dreams and it's it's there's nothing wrong with you it's actually your body's functioning well and the more grace and love you give yourself the more you're going to be able to take action over time because you don't quit beat yourself up massive ups and downs you stay on the straight and narrow for a long period of time and you'll fucking get there mm-hmm. as well yeah really i appreciate to, all of that yeah just want to mention that yeah and it's, it's true i i don't want for a moment to come across as some guy who's like it's fucking easy just do it because that i mean even nah, that but even it can that, be but it can be well though. yeah I, and i know i've i've met people who just decided to do one thing and it fucking took off and they don't even know why it worked and it's, yeah. it's okay it can happen and and I also I find sometimes it can be grating when someone says you know just you can't have a plan B. Uh, well, why not? Like you hear this a lot, especially in, and it might be because of its because it's a a, a fame type thing that if you want to be a singer you have to go all into being a singer. But it's nothing's wrong with waiting tables while you're moving towards being the best country singer in the known universe. Mm. that's not a plan b that's common fucking sense yeah and this is why i feel like following your heart for the rest of your life is a powerful concept because your heart if you take because the way that the heart's activated because the heart intuition inner voice and gut is all the same thing from my perspective and people talk about the uh talk about listening to your gut when it comes to big obvious decisions should I start a, go get a job? Should I go to uni? Should I start a business or quit my job? What does your gut say? Or should I stay in this relationship or not? It's a massive decision. Whereas the way that I, because I've developed my own uh, modality as well called the core method. And anyone that's interested, because I'll just give you free access to the core method if you want to learn it. It's worth like at least a grand. It's like five, six hours worth of training. And it's f- like, it is the best thing that I've ever created. Anyone that wants it, just send me a message at the Ryan magic, like Ryan magic on Insta, but my handle's the Ryan magic. So anyway, just shoot me a message if you want access to it. But there's, there's this really simple method. The simple, the, the second step in it, it's called discernment. And it's essentially empowering people to understand that this big idea of a gut feel or an inner voice or intuition or listening to your heart is accessible in every moment. And if you create space and ask what yourself, what, feels fucking right in this moment like what do i need to know in this moment and you don't stop outsourcing the confidence and the clarity in other people like what does my mom think what does this person think what do all the other entrepreneurs do because this is where the extreme principles from other gurus saying there's no plan b starts to confuse us Mm. because and confuse people because they look at that person go that person's got what i want i want to be successful they're successful they say no plan b that means it must be no plan B is the way to get there. But you're, you're not trying to get there. You're trying to get to where your heart's meant for you to be. And that's going to be your own version of that. But the way to get there is to follow your own heart, which means you, you create space and feel into it and make your own fucking call. What do I need in this moment? And just close your eyes. What's needed here? And just ask your heart from a place of curiosity and you will feel it. There will be downloads there will be like intuitive things there's four types of intuition there's clairvoyant which means you see things there's claircognizant which means you just get a straight inner knowing there's clairsentient which means you have a feeling and there's clairaudient which means you hear clarity it might be like 
you see words or words come to you or you hear someone's voice. So it doesn't matter fucking how it comes in, but clarity is going to come in in some form, but it's going to, you're going to be like, yes, this is it. And you're going to feel it when you create space and get curious, as opposed to trying to control it and get it right and pros and cons. And is it this or this A or B job or no job? What do you think, Sally? What about Jeff? What does, what does Jeff Bezos say about this? Fuck everything else. Go internal and have an inner knowing and then hold yourself with dignity and conviction in whatever that is. So I know I need some fucking money coming in right now. So I'm not going to quit my job. What feels right for me is I keep it going for a few months and I'm going to start doing this in my new business now. And that might feel right for you. For someone else, it's like, no, no, I know me. This is this was my gut. This was my heart. I've got to fucking quit my everything else that I'm doing instantly. And I've got to join a super expensive mastermind and I've got to have this massive pressure because that's what I know I needed. And my heart told me, and then I held that with conviction. So it's about your ability to listen to your own heart, because if you know it's coming from your heart, then you have full confidence in the decision. There's no second guessing it and you can own it and move forward with it with dignity and conviction. And that builds self-worth decision by decision. But most people never start that process of building evidence and momentum to trust themselves because they all they spend their whole life outsourcing their confidence, listening to gurus, listening to their friends, listening to their parents, even listening to the, the different ideas in their mind, which is still confusing because our mind spits out a million fucking different things. It'll find evidence of why you should do it, shouldn't do it. So even that's like asking a million different people. But when you ask your heart, you get a clear piece of clarity on what's next. It's never going to give you the whole fucking journey, but it'll always give you the next right step. Watch Frozen 2, the movie. Just do the next right thing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And so, yeah, that, that's where you find the conviction. And that's where you can discern what's needed in that moment. And there's this concept from ancient Greek philosophy called the golden mean, like the golden average. And it essentially is the, the perfect midpoint between two extremes or two polarities, nothing in excess because, uh, and it's a beautiful principle because we are obsessed with the absolute things. We get accept, accept, uh, obsessed with Wim Hof, cold therapy, that's the thing. And that's like Grand Cardon, you always got to go 10 times bigger. And then as meditation people just surrender completely. And then there's people that are all on hard work and discipline. And it's like, they're all such extremes. Whereas when you listen to your heart, you find the golden mean. You find what you need in that moment. You discern and make your own call. And then you can hold it with so much self-worth and dignity. That's where true confidence is built. And everyone has a heart. Everyone has can create space and discern what they want. And everyone can lock it in and, and feel confident in that, knowing that you're following your own fucking true north. And, and for me, that's been the most liberating thing that I've ever learned. And it's the most liberating thing i've ever taught because it empowers people to fucking own the power of their own heart and then that's that's where the magic happens and that's where you can always walk into what's right for you yeah i just love the idea of this like what's the next thing rather than <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> needing to know every step of the way yeah that's the that's, head from fear oh, that's, trying to control. And it's so fucking confusing when you try and work out what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I, and then what do I do? And then what do I do? And, and it makes and then, sense in light of like, if you're not following your heart for the rest of your life, because the head's desire is control. The heart's mm -hmm. desire is to just follow what feels right. And then the magic's going to unfold over time because you're always coming back to your heart and you're always locking in what feels authentic. Like we we're talking about at the start and aligned to you, but the head needs to control to feel safe. And so when someone's trying to get every single step, they're still not following their heart. They're still in the head. 
And the head's never going to go, by the way. But when you have awareness and understand how it functions, which if anyone's actually interested in that course that I was talking about, that I'm happy to give you free access to the core method. Again, at the Uri Magic, shoot me a message about it. But in that, I talk about the head and how it works and the heart and how that works. And once you understand the differences, it's easier to see it and call it out and become aware of when your head's trying to control everything. Yep. But for most of us, it's like the reason we're trying to plan every fucking step out is because if not, we feel completely unsafe because we're, we're out of control. But you're never going to have control when you're following your heart. Hence why your head doesn't want a part of it and it's going to do anything it can to convince you to stay where you are. It's That's why if you follow your, your heart you for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's why if you follow your heart for the rest of your life, you're going to be way more successful. But if you're still in the head and you're allowing that to control your decision-making, then you're going to end up in a sticky situation because you're going to have this massive, and this is where most people in the, in the personal development world are. They've got the conflict, the massive conflict between their heart wanting the unknown and their head wanting the known, the heart wanting the unfamiliar and, and growth, their head wanting safety and the familiar, and they're completely conflicting. And so people have these big dreams. Everyone's got a dream, but people in the personal development space have at least acknowledged theirs, but then they're, they're being completely held captive by their head and they've always got this inner conflict. Why am I not where I want to be? Your head. Your head's trying to keep you safe. You're like completely bound by fear. That's the only reason. If you didn't have fear, you'd just be doing all the things you want to do and you'd be where you want to be. That's why the core method's powerful. This thing that I created to understand how to be courageous and understand how to transition from the head to the heart. But we really got to understand the head first. Anyway, trust your heart, follow your heart, hold yourself with conviction. At least know that your dream's worthwhile and that your fears are valid and they're not going to go anywhere and everyone feels it and you get to choose whether you want to allow it to dictate where you end up in life or whether you want to pivot to the heart being the main compass uh, and, and trusting that, even though you're going to feel like you're going to die every step. Yes. Yep. Very Brene Brown. That whole idea. There you go. Fuck. Oh shit. I've put myself out there. Everyone might hate me. Fuck it. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and how Very many times well, do you hear about like um, singers, performers, people that get up on stage in front of 20, 30, 40,000 people at a time and, you, and they've been doing it for 20 years and you think, fuck, they must just love it. And before the show, they're out the back throwing up every show. Crazy. Yeah. The nervous system is designed to do that. And it's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay if you feel that way as well. Like even yeah. with the small stuff, it's fine. Just feel yes. it. And sometimes, sometimes it's feel it and acknowledge it and don't do anything because you need to sit with that feeling. And sometimes it's the whole, you know, put your big boy panties on and pull up your yes. socks and feel and do something. That's where discernment comes in. Yeah. And you'll know if it's not just up here, that it's in here as well, that you're taking the, the cues from. Yeah. That's very, very tricky to be able to, to get the different, to know when your head's the one that's going the shots and when your heart's going the shots. Cause you might be like, no, no, I really feel like I just need to sit in this and feel into it. But that's your head. That's convincing you like it's being slippery mm -hmm. and it's actually yeah. trying to <laughs> say, trickster. we need that. We need to take some space and feel into this. And, you know, feels a little bit overwhelming. You know, I know what's right. I just need to sit in this for a little bit longer, but it's not actually your heart saying that your head saying that. And it's very different, difficult to discern the difference because they're intertwined at the moment. Mm. Like for most people, if you're just listening to this and it's a new concept, it'll probably take three to 12 months for you to really start to feel the difference between the head and the heart. There's a quality in Vedic wisdom, like a capability called um, Buddhi Purusha Kyati. And it means intellect, intuition, cut. 
And the whole quality, it's something that they talk about fostering and improving is the ability to cut through the middle of the intuition and the intellect, the head and the heart. So you can clearly see the difference between the two. And so, and the more that you, you have awareness and the more you practice listening and the more evidence you have in this process of trusting and following your heart, the, the clearer it becomes with the two and you can see which is your heart and which is your head. But in the, in the early days, they're just completely a mesh together. And you've got fucking no idea which is which because the head's running the show and has like infiltrated the heart. And so you kind of think it's the heart, but it's your head just being slippery. But it takes a while to, to be able to practice cutting through the noise of those two yeah. and separating them, seeing them for what they are. And I picked up two words, two words in there was practice and process. Mm. And I think we're, we're so uh, invested in this idea of immediate gratification that we can lose track of how these processes take time and effort, but you have to practice. Yeah. You have to, and sometimes it's the practice is shit. And sometimes it's <laughs> enlightening. I, yeah. I, I've, I've just reconnected with my yoga practice and I've had a couple of sessions where it's almost transcendental. And then I had one last night where I hated every moment of it <laughs> i had the family having a party downstairs i couldn't hear what i was trying to do i couldn't stay and it was just <laughs> all it was was you know, but it was the for, for what it really was for me it was the difference between my expectation and my reality yes i expected everyone to be quiet and respect my space and it was a ridiculous expectation i expected my body to behave in a certain way and it didn't but you know what? I finished it and I'd still done it. And yeah. I'd still kept my practice up. And there was value in doing something that sucked because it, mm. I needed that practice and I need to continue the process. Mm. And I get back on the map later today, different person having learned something from that. And I continue my practice and my process. Mm. I have no expectation that I'm going to be able to touch my toes or put my chin on my knee anytime in the next week. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but it's practice and process. Mm. It's beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, bro. You're welcome. Moments of clear perspective every now and then. Yeah. yeah you're putting in the work. I, I really love your uh, combination of mental, emotional, spiritual, practical preferences and interests. It's, it's beautiful. That's a big difference for me. Like if we had a met five, 10 years ago, it was all intellectual understanding of the journey, mm. but it wasn't embodying the journey. It wasn't experiencing the journey, feeling the journey, completely different, completely yeah. chalk and cheese, black and white day and night. Yeah. I need to respect your time because I know it's the evening for you. I'm starting the gas. It's 9.30 p.m., but I've done maybe nine hours of teaching and stuff today now, which has been fucking amazing. But yeah, uh, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to be here Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for talking with me. Like uh, This is Scratch Adam's own itch. And if other people listen, bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that's listening, like we've covered some big topics today and with beards, Beards was a big one. Beards the biggest one for sure. (laughs) But talking about following your heart and fear, I mean, it's it's a big topic. 
And if you can just give yourself compassion and also hold on to that dream and, and guard it and protect it and, and know that it's true and know that you're not different to anyone else and leave here going, no, I can fucking do this. And, I, and the more that I give myself the grace, the more resilient I'm going to be, the more like you're going to make it happen. Like I'm telling you, you're fucking going to make it happen. If it's in your heart, it's there for a reason. Like we're given these dreams for a reason. It's not just for like, it's in your heart. Other people wouldn't give a shit about achieving what you care about. You do. And there's a fucking reason behind that. You're going to do it. You can make it happen. And it's starts with compassion of for where you are and, and, and your nervous system and then working from there. But if you're really serious about it, just trust me when I say that this core method thing I created, because I created it for myself is beneficial. So definitely take me up on that. At least shoot me a message saying, Hey, at the Ryan magic. And yeah, it would be an honor to, to give you access to that and for you to use it to go and fucking achieve that dream. You can give yourself the time to go through the training. It's fucking worth it. Trust me. It's a great offer, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Dude, you're so welcome. Thanks again for having me on. Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah.